What's up, Fusion City Church? How are you? Woo! Very cool. I'm glad you guys are here today. My name's Quentin. I'm one of the pastors here. And, uh, man, I, I'm just really, really excited about this series that we're in. We're in a series called Balance. It's a financial series. I love money. Anybody else in here love money? It's, I guess that laughing is like, All right, I don't want to raise my hand. But, yes, I think the Bible says something about not loving it, but I do. Hallelujah. Yeah, yeah, we like money. I, I love financial series because, uh, particularly at Fusion City Church, because here we, uh, we make it very clear, like up front. Like we don't want something from you. We want something for you. So we're not going to pass the offering basket a couple, 3,000 times until we get something out of you. We want something for you. And in this series, we want you to have a balanced approach to your finances. It's pretty, pretty simple, right? That's a pretty simple concept. Um, together, since we all like this idea of money, together we can figure out what to do with debt. And Pastor Brian, our teaching pastor, did a great job last week talking all about debt and what we should, what, how we should see debt, what we should do with it. If you missed that message, go back and listen to it on our pod, podcast. So together we can learn how to have a balanced budget together. Together we can figure out kind of where our money is going or where it's been. Or I don't know if you've ever experienced this or not, but you know you're supposed to have so much money because you just got paid. And then the next day you look in your checking account and your money's gone. Like you can't find your money. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Like, my money's missing. It's gone, gone, right? This reminds me of a character that I met years and years ago. You guys might recognize him by his, his uh, famous apparel. He, uh, he wears a, a, a red and white striped sweater. He's got a matching hat. Um, yeah, yeah, he's got some black framed glasses. Anybody remember Waldo? Where's Waldo? Anybody remember that? I got a picture I want to show you, okay? So, uh, y'all remember these? Yeah. Yeah, those are a lot of fun, weren't they? A lot of fun. There's a lot of chaos going on in this picture right now. And we have one job. We got to find Waldo. Right? Does anybody like these? Like, honestly, does anybody like... Okay, two people. All right, good. Good. I would imagine because these things seem so daunting, like... How do I even begin? Like, I see a bunch of red and white, and like, if I'm going to pick out some glasses, that's not even going to happen in this picture. So what I thought I would do is uh, I would share with you how I beat these puzzles every single time. And this message in particular, I spent a lot of time in message prep. You know what I mean? Right? Yes, you I went through a lot of these puzzles. It probably has nothing to do with Jesus, but I went through a lot of these puzzles just to prepare for this message. And so this is how I beat these, these where, where's Waldo puzzles. I break the picture down into columns, okay? So I don't know, for whatever reason, I started on my right, and I took column J, and I just started looking through column J until I, I looked at every face, every profile, every clothing. I was looking for their eyes to see if they had glasses. And if you're not in J, then I'm going to go to I, and I start just, I start breaking this K chaos down little by little by little until I can start making some sense out of it. And as I was looking, like somewhere down here in the bottom, there's like this little girl that's shoving an ice cream cone in her brother's face. For whatever reason, I found it. I thought it was pretty cool. And somewhere in the middle, there's like these five guys that are running through, wreaking havoc on everybody trying to, to, to lounge on their towels and stuff. That has nothing to do with today's message, but you find all kinds of cool stuff when you start breaking stuff down like this. So finally, I get to column G. I get to column G, and then row four, I find Waldo. You guys check this out. 
That's pretty easy, right? Y'all see that? Now, now that we have a systematic way of trying to find this, this crazy guy, Waldo, if we go back to the original picture, go back to the original picture, your eye goes in that general area where you know Waldo is supposed to be. This picture doesn't look quite so confusing anymore. This image doesn't look so daunting and and like I'm just going to give up because I can't handle it. Even though you don't know exactly where he is, you can kind of find the general area. And if the picture was more clear or you had it in front of you, you could actually zoom in and you could find Waldo again. Here's my point. Finances can be the same way. Finances can be so daunting and you're looking at all the dollars and the cents and all the bills, maybe the debt, maybe who you owe, all these expenses. You're looking at your income, maybe your spouse's income. You're looking at all this stuff and it's just like, it's just overwhelming. How do we do this? And a lot of us just quit. We don't like the Waldo puzzles. We don't like financial puzzles. We just quit. And we lose track of all of our money. Today, I want to give some simple ways, simple ways to help identify where your money is going and then what to do with it when you find it. Okay? The, the, whole, point of the, uh, the whole point of it is this right now. The point is you got to be knowing where your money is going. Okay? That sounds weird. It looks even more strange on the screen. All right? I typed it and deleted it and typed it again. I, that's just how it's going to be. Okay? You got to be knowing where your money is going. That's, that's, that's your point for today. You got to be knowing where your money is going. And here's the reality I'm going to tell you a little financial secret. Most of our money that we don't know where it is when we look at our bank account and it's not there when it's supposed to be there, most of our money goes into a special category, and this is what I call that category. I call the category discontentment. Mm. We spend so much money on discontentment that we don't even realize that we're spending it on discontentment. We're spending so much money on stuff that we don't want or we don't need to impress people that we don't even like with money that we don't even have. But all of our money is hidden there. you got to be knowing where your money is going. Are you spending money, unnecessary money, money that you don't have on the line item of discontentment? Does anybody in here remember the, the, the old adage, if it ain't broke, don't fix it? Raise your hand. I just want to, anybody ever heard, if it ain't broke, don't fix it? Now put your hand down. If you've never heard that, Raise your hand. There's a couple people. You know why? Because if it ain't broke, don't fix it. It doesn't work anymore. Now, if it ain't new, upgrade it. Right? Right? If it ain't new, upgrade it. Broke? Why are you keeping it that long? Right? If it, like, I, I got the perfect example. This right here. This right here is an iPhone 7. iPhone 7. Last year, I had the iPhone 6. You know the difference? This one's got two cameras. That doesn't make sense to me. I did it. I was looking for a phone, got something with two cameras, right? You know why? I was discontent with what I already had. Guys, you, you track with me? Electronic stuff, like, mm, something new came out. It's got another camera. It's got, a different, it's got a different processor. It's got a whatever, and we need to upgrade. Anything wrong with what you got? Nope, but I want to upgrade, right? 
right? Ladies. Somebody said, no. Look, I don't know what the deal is with these leggings. Y'all clap and say amen. Go ahead. Go ahead. I don't know what's up. But if, if leggings doesn't scream discontentment, I don't know what does. Y'all need a different kind of legging because it's got a different kind of print because the green's a different color. And it, it's not going to match anything that you're wearing. Oh, mm, it got real quiet. Just, just a little tip, ladies. Y'all can wear any of that stuff y'all want to. Stop worrying about it so much. It all just goes together, okay? I'm going to need security when I leave here today. It got real quiet. I was hoping that, like, Pastor Brian would do the message last week on debt, and he'd make everybody mad. I think I just made all the ladies mad. That's a bad place to be, all right? And my wife's wearing leggings this morning. All right. That's good. We drove separate. There's another place that a lot of our money hides, a tremendous amount of our money. A lot of our money hides an interest, and we don't even pay it any attention. An interest on a car, interest on a house, interest on a credit card. Maybe your story was a lot like mine. I remember when my wife Marie and I first got married, uh, we, uh, we, we bought our first place together. We rented a duplex. We both had full-time jobs. We were living the dream except for one thing. We didn't have a car payment. And you know if you're going to live, you got to have a car payment, right? You've heard that. Like, you're always going to have a car payment. So there was two of us, so we needed two car payments. Like, that's what you have to do that. You have a job, prerequisite car payment, okay? So that's, that's the way. Like, we were young. That's what we're going to do. So we go, go to the dealer, pick out a car. Let's just say that the car is $25,000. All right, y'all check with me. All right, I'm going to throw some numbers up on the screen, okay? Let's just say the car is $25,000. That's great. I don't care how much the car is because I don't have any money, right? I don't care if it's $125,000. I just want that car. How do we make that happen? So we sit down with, uh, with the salesman. All right, they're always your best buddy, okay? They're always looking out for your best interest, just something like that. So we sit down with the car, $25,000, and the guy says, all right, it's going to be 4.5% interest uh, for three years, and you can do this for $744. By the way, these numbers are real, okay? I'm not playing games with you. I'm not playing any tricks. And I look at these numbers, and I'm like, all right, $25,000, I don't have that, 4.5%. I don't even know what that means. Like, 100%, I get that. That's not 100%. That must be really good. All right, three years, three years. Listen, I'm going to have a car payment for the rest of my life. I don't care how many years it is. Like, I'm going to be alive longer than three years. I'm going to have some more payments after that. But the problem I have is $744, right? So I tell the salesman. We tell the salesman, no, 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 no. Like, look, look. I need my payment down to 400 bucks, right? I'm, just, I'm, I'm negotiating because he's a professional, but this is Quentin. Like, I got this guy, right? So I tell the guy, no, I need to be at uh, 400 bucks. And he's like, all right, well, let's do four years. Well, four years is going to be $570. I'm like, I don't think you're hearing me. I need $400. And he's like, well, let me go check with my manager. You ever been here before? Yeah, let me go check with my manager. Like, like he's going to give me a, a deal. He's like, good. Yeah, you go talk to the boss man, peon, because you can't do anything. So he goes and talks to his manager. Manager comes back. He comes back. And he's like, look, I tell, I tell you what, I can do five years. I don't care how many years you hear me. I'm going to do payments for the rest of my life. I want $400. He's like, all right, we're going to do 466. I don't think you heard me. And by this point, by this point, we're like, we're like, really, really, like this is negotiation one-on-one. I am going to get this car for a deal, right? Or we're going to do this. And I'm like, look, I'm telling really, 
That's, I'm standing my ground. I could walk out of here with my not $2,500 and spend my not $25,000, I mean, uh, my not $25,000 somewhere else, okay? I don't know where that got me. But he's like, well, I'll tell you, I'll go talk to the owner. Yeah, you do that. You do that. Go talk to the so then I don't know what they do. This last time, they always go and like take a lunch break. They come back 45 minutes later, act like they've been working for you really, really hard, right? So they come back, and they, he just slides a number across the table, $397. Bam, Marie, look, I'm a negotiator. I just got our car payment down from 800 to 400 Look at the king go. Look, we're going to go do this again at the lot next door because we need two of these jokers, right? Right? Listen, This is all too familiar for a lot of us. That $25,000 car, after you've paid on it for the six years, is really worth $28,573. You know how much interest that is? That's $3,573, just an interest. Just because you didn't put any money up for your car, you're going to pay $3,000, $3,500 just in interest. So now let's just say that car, though it is only worth $25,000, we're going to call that car now, we owe $28,000. The day you drive that car off the lot, it loses 25% of its value. So the day that you drive that car off the lot, you lose $7,000. You you put the key in, you crank up the ignition, you smell that new car smell, you're driving off the lot, and you just left $7,000 behind you. Woo! But you didn't buy it for a day. You bought it for six years. At the six-year mark, cars are typically valued at 80%. At the six-year mark, you lost, I lost, we lost $22,858.40. You know the moral of the story? Go buy a six-year-old car for $5,000. Right? Right? Go buy, because you're driving it anyway. Just, just go pick up somebody else's dumb mistake, right? Go buy a $6,000, $5,000 car. That's the moral of the story. And then that $22,000 that you lost, go do something else with it. Go on vacation or something. I don't know. Maybe pay off some of the other cars that you did the same thing with. Are you guys tracking with me? This takes some self-control. Pastor Brian read this passage last, last week in Proverbs. It says, uh, a man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. A man, this man without self-control, he's been defeated. He's been defeated and now he's defenseless. You have let something in because you don't have self-control. When we're talking about money stuff, when we're talking about, hey, you got to be knowing where your money is going, we're going to have to put some self-control into this, some self-discipline. We're going to have to make sure that we're managing our money. Look, if you don't care about your money, who is? No one. We have so much more potential to do good with our money when we're in self-control. So you got to be knowing where your money is going. So, the plan. The plan. Here's the plan. I want you to write this down. Here's the plan. Give, save, and spend. Give, save, and spend. You guys remember trying to find Waldo earlier? 
pretty simple. Break it down into columns, maybe break it down into rows and take little chunks at a time. Here are the little pieces that I want you to focus on in your finances. I want you to focus on giving, number one. I want you to focus on saving, number two. And I want you to focus on spending, number three. But here's the reality. The reality is that the world that we live in, those things are actually quite the opposite. We actually spend first. And then if we didn't spend it all, if we don't owe it all, if Uncle Sam doesn't take it all, then we're going to save some. And in saving, if we don't hoard it all, then maybe, just maybe, we'll have a couple dollars left to be able to give it all. But you're not going to give it all. You'll give what you have left over. Chris Brown says this. Chris Brown works with Dave Ramsey, um, financial experts. Chris Brown says this. You will never have financial peace until you learn to manage money with an open hand. You'll never learn to have financial peace until you learn to, have, to manage money with an open hand. When we manage money with an open hand, when we give first, it does something to our finances. Practically speaking, when you give more, there's a possibility it's going to help you with some of your other expenses, like your taxes that you're going to have to pay. Or it's going to help you frame out your, the rest of your budget and you're going to be spending less. Giving first is really the key to all of this stuff. And I'm not talking about the prosperity gospel. I'm not trying to be super spiritual with you. But there is some truth to the fact that when we prioritize give and then save and then spend, our finances work out better. It might have something to do with when we give first, then we're operating um, solely on the idea that we're living in God's economy. You guys might not realize this, but God pretty much owns and controls everything, including you and your money. Look what Psalm 24, 1 through 2 says about God's economy. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. Listen, we're in God's economy. And when we hear from examples of scripture and godly men such as Dave Ramsey teaching us financial stuff, when we see these things and we realize that we're in God's economy, we ought to give first. Give first. Why should we give first? Because God first gave. God first loved. God gave. He is a generous God. He is a generous Jesus that we serve, and we ought to follow that model. So in this simple, simple plan, this give first and then save and then spend, things generally work out better. You follow me? So let's spend a few moments. Let's talk about what give, save, and spend looks like. And we're going to start, but not spend very long, on the first one, the priority, and that's give. Here's the give for you. If you're not giving something, if you're not a generous person, if you're not giving something in your budget, in your family finances right now, if you're not giving, give something. I don't, it doesn't matter, just give something. Give a certain percentage, give a certain dollar amount, give something. Start being generous if you're not generous. If you happen to be one of those folks that are generous, but not necessarily on purpose, you just happen to be giving just something, then I encourage you to give 10%. This isn't a spiritual or magical number. 10% is really easy, okay? 10% of our income, super easy. You just move the decimal over and there's your giving amount, okay? I, I love 10%. My family and I, this is where we were for a while. We were just giving 10%. Like, it's easy. Like, if I make $1,000, I'm going to give $100. I just move that decimal over. It's easy, right? We want easy math. If you're currently giving 10%, give more. Anybody ever heard you can't outgive God? Yeah. 
The reality is that there's nothing in your life that will satisfy you more than when you give something away. I know several of us in this room right now, we're sponsoring um, a compassion child in the Dominican Republic. We did this a couple years ago as a church. That's one of my favorite things in my budget. When my family looks at this, there's a line item there for Darlani. And we love Darlani. We pray for Darlani all the time. And it's more than just prayer because every month we send Darlani some money. Every month we send Darlani some money. And then we found out that you could give her family some money too. How much can you give the family? We looked it up. And then we sent the family some money. We sent hundreds of dollars to, to Darlani. I'm not saying that for a pat on the back, but I'm telling you, that is the, my favorite hundreds of dollars that I have ever spent. I'm not, I'm not joking. I love giving money. I love being generous because it does something inside that nothing else will. So give something. If you're giving something, give 10%. If you're giving 10%, give more. Find somewhere. Look, if you want to give because we're doing some stuff in the, in the community, that's great. Do that. My point is not to give to Fusion. My point is to give somewhere. You follow me? Because this isn't about Fusion City Church being all big and bad, okay? This is about you having your finances under control. Amen. Amen. Good, good, good. So we have give. Let's talk about save and spend. Save and spend. Save and spend can be summed up this way. Dave Ramsey's baby steps. Dave Ramsey's baby steps. There's seven of them. And we're going to run through these baby steps um, pretty quickly, okay? So take some notes, but there's also some resources that, that we'll share with you in just a little while. But the, the, just track with me for a, for a few minutes. These baby steps have been proven by hundreds of thousands of cases that Dave Ramsey and his team has worked on over, the, over numerous years. And these principles will apply to every single person. Regardless of where you are in your finances, regardless of where you are right now with your finances, these baby steps will absolutely help you get control and peace over your finances, okay? It's going to teach you. It's going to help us be generous. It's going to help us save. It's going to help us uh, know where our money is going. It's going to help us get on track and budget wisely, okay? So let's talk about a couple of the baby steps. Actually, we're going to go through all of them, but we're going to go through all of them pretty briefly, okay? Baby step number one. Baby step number one. You got to have an emergency fund. If you're sitting here right now and you do not have an emergency fund, that's the reason you probably have a credit card because your credit card is your crutch. But if we want to get rid of the credit cards as your crutch, then we need to make sure that we have some money in savings that can handle whatever might come up, okay? So here's the deal. If you make less than $20,000, then, then Dave Ramsey, Ramsey recommends if you make less than uh, $20,000, then you should have an emergency fund of 500 bucks. If your household makes more than twenty grand, you need to have $1,000 in the bank, $1,000 that you can get to easily when something happens, Okay. Make sure you have that. You might be asking, how in the world do I get $1,000? I don't know. How many kids you have? I was meeting with somebody. I don't remember who it was. They're like, I know you're not supposed to say this, but every parent has their favorite kid. Sell the other one. All right? Sell the other one. Sell the, y'all do what you want to. Like, just find a way to get $1,000. By the way, if you can't get more than $1,000 out of your kid, you got rid of the right one. You know what I mean? All right. Let's move on. Let's move on before that gets really crazy, all right? Baby step number two. All right, baby step number two. Debt snowball. 
Listen, whatever means you find to, to come up with that $1,000, you sell stuff, you Craigslist stuff, you eBay stuff, you have a yard sale, you get rid of stuff, you stop spending money on frivolous stuff like going out to eat, amen, uh, stop, stop going and, and buying stuff at the gas station. It's convenient, but it ain't cheap, you know what I mean? All right, like if you buy something at the gas station besides gas, you pay too much. If you buy something at the grocery store that ain't groceries, you pay too much. Go to like a specific store and buy that stuff, okay? Save some money, build that $1,000. After you build that $1,000, however, whatever means you used, start attacking your debt. And this is, this is what I want you to do. I want you to list your debt, the lowest debt that you have on the top of the list, and the highest debt you have on the bottom of the list, okay? Don't worry about percentage rates and interest and all that stuff that doesn't make any sense. Don't try to tell me that you're a math whiz and you want to pay off the highest percentage first. If you were a math whiz, you wouldn't be in financial problems. We'll let that sink in for just a little bit. So then you take that debt snowball, and number one, if you owe $100 on that, on that debt, that's all you owe, knock that debt out. Pay off that $100. Take that $100 and apply it to debt number two. Now you're paying off debt number two with the same amount of enthusiasm and force that you paid off debt number one. Then when you get to debt number three, debt number one and debt number two are paid off. Now you're putting all that money into debt number three. You follow me? It's a snowball. It's going to get bigger and bigger, pay off more and more, quicker and quicker, and you can get out of debt. A lot of folks can get out of debt in 18 to 24 months, maybe, maybe three years, but you can get out of debt with this debt snowball. Do the debt snowball. After you have done the debt snowball, then you put more money into your savings. Remember, these are simple steps that we're talking about. We're talking about giving, we're talking about saving, we're talking about spending. So you're going to want three to six months of living expenses in the bank. You're self-insuring yourself in case something happens to your job. You have three to six months of living expenses so you can find another job to help you with your, with your living expenses, okay? You follow me? Three to six months. However much money you were spending on debt, probably, I think the average is probably around fifteen to $2,500 per household. If whatever you're spending on debt, now you can start putting that into your savings for your living expenses, and that will build relatively quickly, okay? You tracking with me? Tracking with me. Very good. Number four. Number four, after you've built that savings, you're going to want to start saving for the future. You're going to want to save for retirement. Dave Ramsey recommends that you start saving 15% for retirement, okay? Always keep that emergency fund there. Always keep your savings. Don't touch your savings. Keep your savings there. But whatever you were using to build that savings... Whatever you're using to do that, now look at your whole income. Whatever your 15% of your entire income is, start putting that into retirement. Put it into retirement. Follow me? Into retirement. After that... Kids' college fund. Luckily, you have half the kids you had when you started with because you had to sell a couple of them. So now you only have to do college for 50% of them, all right? See, I'm telling you, this is good practical stuff today. Start saving for kids' college fund. Listen, let, uh, if you guys have never read uh, through some Dave Ramsey stuff, Total Money Makeover, he talks a lot about college. I'm just going to say something and leave it here. I just want everyone to know you have the freedom and the free will not to go in debt for college. You don't have to go in debt for college. That also means that you don't have to go to that school. You can go to a different school, okay? Don't go in debt for college. Don't do that. Parents, save some money for your kids so they have a better chance of getting into a different school, a school maybe of their choice. But if you don't have money saved up for your kids to go to college, then find a college that you can send your kids to that you can pay cash for. That might be the community college. We have some great community colleges around here. And you can pay for that as you go. That's how I got my college done. 
I'm not finished with it yet, but that's how I'm paying because I'm going a little bit at a time because I'm paying as I go. I'm not going to go into debt for college, and I'm not going to go into debt for my kids to go to college, okay? It just is what it is. There's some statistics there, and then I can share with you some other time, but just know, all I need you to know is hear this. You're not forced to go to college in debt. There are other options. Think outside the box, okay? Number six, number six, pay off your home early. You remember when I said earlier we're going to do the debt snowball, list, the, list all your debts in order, the most expensive on the bottom. Don't include your house on that list. We're going to save the house for uh, baby step number six. Now that we have all of our money and we got it all under control and organized, now we can pay off our home early, okay? Because there's a lot of interest that we are wasting in our home because we have home mortgages. So debt, uh, baby step number six is to pay off your home early. Pay off your home early. And baby step number seven Build wealth and give. There's a lot of details that go into building wealth. And just for the sake of time and the sake of detail, we're not going to go into exactly what that looks like or how that works. There are a lot of great resources that we can point you to. But here's the mentality behind this. With the money that you have, you now have an engine that's going to work for you. The money that you have can create money for you. If you invest it, if you do some smart stuff with your money, your money will make you money, okay? As your money makes you money, you can continue to give, all right? So baby step number seven, build wealth. Use money in a smart way, and then whatever happens with your returns off of your investment, give. At baby step number seven, you have no debt, including your house. You're living a plan. You're living a life with, uh, with financial peace. You're doing all this stuff. And now what you're doing is you're just being generous for the rest of your life, which is really what God wants out of God's economy. Remember, give and save and spend. Now, look, I've been talking up here for a little while, and I don't want you to think that that everything that I said is going to be easy. It is simple, but it's not easy. Listen, I know firsthand, my family, we had credit card debts after credit card debts after credit card debts. We had two cars we were paying for, and then we, we decided to have a child, and, and you know, we couldn't have a child in a duplex. I don't know why, but we had to have a house. So we went and bought a house. Now we have a house and two car payments and then a little girl on the way. And we didn't like, now we got medical bills. We got all kinds of stuff. And then whenever you go, like your wife's like, yeah, I get so much maternity leave. I know, but you don't need to take all that, do you? Like we got bills to pay, right? And, and this, this was my life. This was our life for years. And then the bill collectors started calling. And then when we didn't answer, then they would call our parents, And when they didn't answer, they didn't have answers to their questions. They would call aunts and uncles. That's true. That happened in my life. I get it. And then at some point, I got to the reality, to the idea that, look, I am not going to live with this financial stress anymore. I'm going to live debt-free. And we worked hard, very, very hard to get out of debt so we can have financial freedom now. I'm not a rich man. We're, we're working on $1,000 in the bank now, our, our three to six months living expenses. I don't have millions of dollars in the bank, but I also don't have debt and interest other than my house. It's baby step number six. There's a better way to live financially. I came across this passage in Hebrews. I wanted to share it with you. Hebrews 12, 11 says this. For the moment, all discipline, that's what we're talking about. All discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. 
I'm going to tell you, when I got a phone call from our parents that says, hey, so-and-so said you're behind on the bill, and here I am, brand-new husband, expecting to be a dad for the first time, supposed to have my family under control, and I've got my in-laws calling me, but that hurts. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Listen, everything that we talked about today, it seems daunting and overwhelming. It seems like we're trying to find Waldo in, 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 a, in a bunch of chaos. But with some simple plans, with giving and then saving and then spending, living life on purpose financially, using the baby steps, we can have financial peace. We can have financial peace. Imagine what your life would look like if you had financial peace within your household. Imagine what, what your circles would look like if your circles had financial peace and you didn't have debt and you weren't paying $3,500 per vehicle or per loan for interest. Imagine what your life would look like if you didn't have any debt in it at all. And in thinking that way, I begin to think what Fusion City Church would look like if all of us in Fusion City Church, all of our families in Fusion City Church were debt-free, living on purpose, and we were giving, and then saving, and then spending. I looked at some national averages. I took the national average, uh, the national average of interest paid per household. In the United States, the national average of interest paid per household. And then I took that number, that percentage, and I took that and I compared it to the median household income in the city of Kannapolis. That's us. And in one year, we as a church, it is estimated that we as a church spend $825,000 in interest. What can we do as a church? I'm not talking about lining the, the pockets of the staff. I'm not talking about having a lot better set up. I'm talking about what could our community do? What could we do to benefit our community with $825,000 a year? What impact could we make on a local school? There's a lot of folks in here that are very active in their schools. A lot of, a lot of folks are involved in the, the parent-teacher organizations. And, and I'm throwing this number up of $825,000. What could you do with some of that in your school? What could we do with the homeless population in Kannapolis if we were able to give $825,000 to a ministry? Just think about that. And what if, what if, maybe you're skeptical, what if my numbers are off? By 50%. What if I'm I'm 50% wrong? Then we're still talking about a $400,000, a $400,000 interest payment from our families every single year. So here's the question I have with you, or for you. Ask yourself this. Are you seriously ready to be financially free? Think about it. Are you seriously ready to be financially free? Is our church ready to make an impact by giving and saving and then spending? 
And is our community ready for that? Will you pray with me? God, today, we've talked about money a lot. Your word says a lot about money as well. More about money than many other topics, as a matter of fact. And God, I know that you care about money. You care about the way that we manage money. You care about us. So God, would you help us apply some of these some of these, these simple but not necessarily easy principles in our life. God, would you, would you help us not see Waldo's puzzle but Waldo himself? Will you help us not get lost in all of our finances, but yet let us utilize this simple plan to give and to save and to spend? God, would you be pleased with our efforts? And God, would you be pleased with the efforts of this church that's going to make a dramatic impact in our city because we have our junk together? So God, we give this day to you. God, the hard work that is, is before some of us, God, we give that to you. God, would you just be a part of our finances? And we'll thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.